you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Hi, it's Jason Greenblatt on The Diplomat brought to you by Newsweek. I was really glad to have the opportunity to interview His Excellency Omar Al-Olama, Minister of State for Artificial Intelligence, Digital Economy, and Remote Work in the United Arab Emirates. He has a long title, but just as long are his list of responsibilities. The UAE is the first country to appoint a Minister for Artificial Intelligence, and it shows the cutting-edge forward nature of the UAE. It was a great chat, and I hope you enjoy it. I'm Jason Greenblatt. This is The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek. So I'm delighted this morning to welcome His Excellency Omar bin Sultan Al-Olama, the Minister of State for Artificial Intelligence, Digital Economy, and Remote Work in the United Arab Emirates. Minister Al-Olama, you have uh, pretty much the coolest title around, all things that everybody's excited and interested in these days. And I'd love to hear how new this ministry is and how you landed such an amazing position. Uh, thank you very much. Jason, it's an absolute pleasure being with you. Um, so the post was established um, five years ago, nearly five years ago now, uh, in 2017. So by October of this year, it's going to be five years. And the uh, whole remit uh, was artificial intelligence in the beginning. And the reason why this um, post was created is because our leadership started to hear about the importance of artificial intelligence from different experts, different world leaders. Everyone's talking about AI and the potential of AI, as well as the potential negative implications of the technology. And His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, uh, the Prime Minister of the UAE, he's also the Vice President and he's also the ruler of Dubai, uh, decided that instead of waiting for things to happen, we need to actually have someone who's in charge of overseeing this agenda in the UAE. The same way that um, historically, we, like if you look at the last 200 years, there wasn't a Minister for Energy when we were dependent on coal and we were dependent on a wood fire. But the moment it became uh, generating electricity and the moment we moved into energy as a core fundamental requirement of the advancement and the development of our country, ministers of energy were put in place because of the implications that will uh, arise from not having someone oversee this agenda. The same is true as well for ministers of telecommunications. When we're using just normal postal systems or um, you know, uh, the conventional, traditional communication systems that existed pre uh, the telephone and pre the new advanced means of communication, there was no minister of communication or minister of telco or minister of ICT. So with the advent of every technology, there needs to be a review of what ministerial positions are created and what are the focus areas of the government uh, alongside these specific technologies. In 2020, there was a cabinet reshuffle. So in the summer of 2020, uh, that uh, reshuffle required us to uh, look at what our areas of focus are as a government. Uh, some ministries were merged together to be more focused and to be leaner. 
um, and to really focus on not having um, a lot of people doing the same task. Other portfolios were expanded. And at that point of time, uh, my portfolio was expanded to uh, include the digital economy and the remote work applications. And the reason for that is because AI is going to be a big disruptor for government. We know that the future of the economy is going to be dependent on the digital economy side. That's why the biggest companies in the world today are digital economy companies. And most of these companies are actually dependent on AI. So Google is an AI company, Facebook is an AI company, and so on and so forth. So um, we need to try to work on pushing uh, the private sector in the UAE and the economic activity in the UAE towards the digital side by also helping them uh, with the artificial intelligence angle. And remote work is an angle that will allow you to bring in the best talent to work from the UAE and serve a global audience. So again, it's linked to digital economy. It will be linked to AI most probably because people who are working in the sector can work from anywhere. Um, and I think in general, our ambitions are to be one of the best nations in the world on the AI front as well as the digital economy front. I think your ambitions, the UAE's ambitions, are to be the best in the world at pretty much everything. It's really quite remarkable. What are some AI tools that are going to enhance the UAE's government operations? Just on your first um, comment, if you are able to dream, why not dream big? It's something that His Highness uh, Sheikh Mohammed always says, you know, there is no reason for you to dream small um, if you have the ability, right? And if you work towards that dream, um, nothing is as powerful as someone who has a dream and believes so much in, in that dream that he or she wants to make it a reality. And we see every person that has changed the world was a person that was a dreamer, first and foremost. And they are passionate enough and patient enough to work towards delivering that. And that's our you know, ambition from day one, uh, to have big dreams and to strive towards them. And that's what got us to where we're at today. In terms of tools, um, to be honest, uh, many people think about AI as one technology. But as you know, and many of the um, people that will be listening to this, the audience that you have would know, AI is a plethora of different technologies under the umbrella of artificial intelligence, which means that each tool that falls under that umbrella has different applications, has different challenges, has different opportunities. So self-driving cars, for example, have a completely different set of challenges, opportunities, and use cases than a smart agent or a chatbot AI algorithm that is used for customer service. And in, in that regard, I think the way that we look at deploying AI in the UAE is we think of first, uh, what are the two fundamental requirements of deploying AI? And the fundamental requirements, in our opinion, is first, improve quality of life, and second is improve efficiency. And it comes in this order. So if it improves efficiency to a large degree, but does not improve, improve quality of life, we don't prioritize that application. And then we also think about the controversial uses of AI because um, our conscious uh, decision in the beginning was to put a motto for ourselves, which was uh, under the acronym of BRAIN. We want to build a responsible artificial intelligence nation. And the responsible uh, AI means responsible development, responsible deployment, and responsible use not only for today, but even for future generations. So we are very excited on the applications that we currently have in deploying AI in oil and gas, um, extraction, distribution, storage, really trying to not uh, dictate the price of oil because we know that that requires many factors, 
and some of them are beyond our control. But use AI to dictate how we can reduce our price so that we are not as affected as other countries when it comes to the price of oil and the price per barrel. So we can increase efficiency by a few orders of magnitude by deploying AI. The same is true with energy generation and energy distribution. You know that um, the UAE is one of uh, the leaders globally in terms of solar energy generation as a percentage of overall energy uh, that is being used in the country. However, it cannot reach 100% because of some of the inherent issues that we face today when it comes to renewables, when it comes to, for example, the sun setting, and these are variables that we can't uh, affect or control. But through using AI, we can distribute this energy, we can store the energy, and we can produce it in ways that ensure that we get most efficiency of the energy produced. And this is an application that is not controversial. The same is true as well with oil and gas. The third is, if you think about the sectors that we are ahead in, logistics, for example, the UAE is one of the leading countries in the world in logistics, in transport, and tourism. Um, in logistics, we want to deploy AI to make our port operations a lot more efficient to ensure that we're able to finish the um, uh, redistribution of the containers. We sort out the paperwork. We uh, redispatch these containers or at least you know, allow them to enter into the country. Uh, instead of doing that within days or hours, try to do that within minutes by using robotic process automation and AI, as well as blockchain, to uh, create a complete um, value chain that does not exist currently. And I think we do have the uh, appetite, and hopefully we will have uh, success in that. Uh, finally, there's a sector that I'm very passionate about personally, which is healthcare. And specifically in healthcare, we're talking about diagnostics. Um, we haven't done much there. We're actually just doing a diagnostics for tuberculosis because tuberculosis is a disease that is today widespread that kills around um, 1.5 million people yearly. And it is something that we can eradicate if we put our minds to it. But a global cosmopolitan um, country like ours will have challenges with um, uh, tuberculosis. So we're looking at deploying AI to diagnose tuberculosis to ensure that people actually. Uh, get warned about it without having to hire a hundred or a thousand more people, radiologists that can see the x-rays. Minister Alama, before I get to my next question, you mentioned two things that I want to touch upon for a moment. You mentioned your concept of dream big as well as healthcare. I didn't realize that you were involved in healthcare, and I want to ask a personal favor if you could add to your list one day, God willing. I want to focus on pancreatic cancer. Both of my parents passed away from pancreatic cancer. It's become a huge killer, at least in my country, and especially in old age in particular these days because people are living longer. So maybe with the benefits and the tools that you're creating using AI, maybe you'll be able to find the cure to pancreatic cancer or some tool to at least control it. It's a personal favor. Maybe, God willing, you could do it. And now, Minister Alalama, the UAE was, I think, the first country to put together a ministry like yours and to hire a minister of artificial intelligence. Have others followed the UAE's lead? And if so, not to ask you to name your competition, but I will, what are the other countries, who are the other countries that you would consider to be leaders in this space, and are you able to partner with them? I once again want to... Um convey my sincerest condolences for the loss of both your parents. Thank and you. if anything, we consider any um, 
development or deployment of any technology, something that is not just here to support the UAE's development, but as a global public good. So if we do develop something, if we do develop a software that's able to do that, then uh, for sure we'll be able to collaborate and, and deploy it in other countries as well to ensure that we are able to at least safeguard people and uh, warn them about this early on and hopefully increase the survival rate. Uh, I would like to say on that specific topic, it depends on the number of cases and data that you have. So we can't actually create a system, and that's a humble opinion because we have limited resources and time. We can't create a system that um, helps detect certain diseases that we don't have quite prevalent in the UAE. So we have diabetes that is that is um, quite uh, widespread. That, I think, is going to be easier. Maybe some types of cancer that are more apparent here. But I need to check on pancreatic cancer. I think it's something that we can definitely look at. But if, um, for example, Israel or any other country wants to collaborate on that, we'll be more than willing to do so. On uh, other countries, you know, I read a lot of uh, uh, books and a lot of content about the world becoming very bipolar when it comes to um, uh, the development of AI. So it's either East or West. And so only going to be a few countries that play this. And my argument usually is that this is very far away from reality. Uh, if we think about what's happening in Canada, if we think about what's happening in Israel, if we think about what's happening in Singapore, what's happening in the UAE, what's happening in many countries in Europe, we realize that there's going to be hotspots of excellence um, across the world when it comes to the development of technology. And depending on which type of AI use case or technology you need, you will go to a specific country. So AI and cybersecurity, I think Israel is a wonderful example of that, that um, you know, we need to collaborate with. If you look at AI, for example, in factories and assembly lines, manufacturing, Germany is great in that, China is great in that, Japan is great in that as well. Um, so uh, each country has a different set of skills, and that is based on whether it's the talent that is homegrown, whether that is based on the industries that they have historically. What we have as an advantage, uh, and this is something that we're going to leverage on, is first the diversity. Uh, we have 200 nationalities living and thriving in the UAE. That gives us the opportunity to create global AI systems from day one. So we don't need to retrain our algorithms when we go to country X or country Y, because the systems that are deployed here interact with people from every ethnicity, every country, every walk of life, every skin color, every, every religion. And that's something that we pride ourselves with. The second aspect is the fact that Today, you're able to attract incredible talent from around the world in the UAE with no problem. Um, most talent today are reluctant to go to one country or the other based on the politics and the geopolitics. But you see, because of the UAE stance to be a country that has positive neutrality as one of the fundamental core principles of its foreign policy agenda, uh, people from around the world can come here and work together. And you can have a truly global uh, team um, bringing the best people from every country, whether it's Asia, Europe, or the U.S. or Africa, and having them live and thrive in the UAE. So um, you can also attract talent from around the world um, that would not be worried about the geopolitics or the sensitivities because of the UAE stance of positive neutrality. They're able to come here. You can get the best talent from India, from China, from the U.S., from Europe, from Africa. And you can have a workforce that is unlike any other. 
And um, it is something that we pride ourselves with and we believe is going to be a definite advantage. Minister Alalama, you mentioned Israel a few times, and the truth is, back in 2017, that conversation would have happened privately between the two of us. But today, thanks to many leaders, and in particular, Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed, who gets just incredible credit for his bold and courageous decision to enter into the Abraham Accords, Israel and the UAE are starting to make some really interesting partnerships. And I think they're going to do some amazing work together. How much of a factor are the Abraham Accords? in terms of your ministry in particular with artificial intelligence? I think the Abraham Accords are uh, at the core of many of the things that we do because really it goes back to our roots. If you look at um, the way the, that the UAE has always been, we've been a country that wants to work with everyone. We've been a country that uh, wants to really have value add for those around us at the same time create value add here locally. And um, we've been looking at the Israeli model for a while now, uh, even pre the Abraham Accord. And um, we thought to ourselves, how can we ensure that our AI agenda and our AI advancement uh, framework is one that first learns from the best and learns from everyone, while at the same time creates value add for those around us? So we've been thinking about creating value add for Israel for a few years now. And I think the Abraham Accords just gave us an ability to quickly accelerate that and allow us to move much faster uh, when it comes to uh, collaborating, whether it's on the research side, on the development side, on the deployment side, with our Israeli counterparts. But not only that, I think counterparts around the world. What we can do very well is we are a great convener uh, as a country. And we can convene the right people on the right table. And I think that is a value add that will definitely allow us to create systems that are going to improve the, the human condition and human lives across the world, hopefully, in the next coming years. You mentioned that the UAE attracts talent from all around the world, and I've seen it with my own eyes. I've been to the UAE so many times, and I see the incredibly diverse population there. I have six kids, ranging in age from 11 to 23, as well as two sons-in-law. What would be to your message, Minister Al-Alama, to that generation about the opportunities, not just in the UAE, but in the GCC generally? To me, it seems that it's such an incredibly promising place. What's your message to that generation? So um, my message is, if we look at the way the world is moving forward, and we look at where the biggest potential of development um, and acceleration exists in the world, we would see that this is clearly um, a area that is going to be part of the coming uh, decade or coming century that is going to become very important. Africa is one of the biggest hidden jewels, I think, that is not being leveraged today in terms of development, Asia as well. The GCC is at the heart of that. So if you think about where the most potential development is going to happen, it's going to be China, India, the subcontinent, as well as Africa. And you have the GCC is right there in the middle. Um, there's also this fact that the Middle East as well is a part of the world because of internal politics or you know, some of the challenges that we have is today um, a place with a lot of potential, but challenges as well. These challenges are going to be overcome. It's a matter of time. It's a matter of time until we actually come back to saying we want to focus on development, we want to focus on the economy rather than focus on internal politics. 
And once that happens, the, the possibilities and the potential are going to be endless. What I think is necessary for the coming generation to think about is this region. Um, and by this region, I'm talking about a region of 3.5 billion people um, within a five-hour or six-hour flight from the UAE requires more role models, requires people that are able to prove that we can create something from here that can become globally relevant, that will drive more people to wanting to create rather than consume, and also um, allow for more people to want to actually be a part of this engine of um, you know, pushing the, the development of our species forward. So when you think about creating something in the Middle East, this is not just something that is nice to have. It's actually our fundamental um, calling. Our calling is to prove that the Middle East can punch above its weight. Our calling is to prove that we have talent, we have opportunity, and we can do a lot. And it's on us, it's on the, the younger generation as well, more than ever, to, to do that and make that happen. Um, historically, we might have seen incredible talents from the Middle East, from India, from Africa, from Israel, from the UAE, travel to the US, travel to Europe, and thrive there. That is still something that is going to happen. But we want to have a lot more examples of people that are homegrown, that are based at home, that are creating things that are changing the world. And uh, that's what the world needs um, uh, unequivocally. I agree. And I think COVID is actually going to accelerate that because many people realize now they don't need to live in a big city in a particularly big country in order for them to do exciting and thriving work. What would your message be to attract more talent? I think the region is a bit misunderstood, even the UAE. Sometimes people just don't understand how exciting and dynamic this region is. What's your message to explain to people the opportunities in this region? And as you say, that there's a tremendous future here. And when you layer on your big dream idea, if you have the means, as the UAE does, to create the dream, what do you tell people who might not appreciate the beauty and the excitement and the potential of the UAE in this region? So, so the first point is you won't believe it until you see it. And the same is true as well for, for many countries of this region. The UAE is one of them, but you, know, you can't really understand or appreciate India until you visit India. You can't understand or appreciate Israel until you visit Israel. And the same is true for Egypt, for Morocco. And I think visiting these countries allows us um, to expand our horizons and to understand what is possible. Uh, so you can't do it on a Zoom call, unfortunately, or on a Google search. You have to go and experience the energy, the nature, the people. It's something that is required, I would say. Um, the other thing is, I also think that you should let the numbers um, show you what is possible and, and uh, where we can go. Um, if you look at, for example, the number of digital economy startups uh, that are situated in the Middle East, and if you think about the amount of foreign direct investment that comes into the Middle East that is invested in digital economy startups, around 55%, and this is excluding Israel, so Middle East excluding Israel and Turkey, uh, 55% of um, the overall investment amount actually comes into the UAE. Um, and that proves to you that the whole world is actually believing in what is happening here. And this is going to create a snowball. So as you have one success story, another success story, another success story, each one of them is going to have spin-offs that are going to become unicorns, decacorns, and centicorns, hopefully over the next coming years. One great example 
is Kareem that was um, acquired by Uber for $3.1 billion. Um, after the acquisition, um, the spin-offs from Kareem were 58 companies, out of which I think now three are unicorns. Um, and this is only going to snowball into something bigger and better. So the opportunity to start is right now. We are right at the cusp, right at the beginning of this. And if you want to see it with your own eyes, please, you know, I think the UAE is uh, today, I think, um, 2021, the most popular destination to travel to in the world was Dubai. So, you know, uh, people have been flocking from every country in the world. And this is uh, as per TripAdvisor's um, uh, rating for top destinations. Um, so, uh, you know, please come and see it with your own eyes. And then if you believe in it, the same way that we're preaching, Try to be involved. And that popularity actually even was sustained during COVID. So imagine now that we may hopefully possibly be out of COVID or at least heading out of COVID. And, and speaking of COVID, how can artificial intelligence help, whether it's COVID in the future or something else that will transpire, the next COVID, the next terrible disaster for humanity? How will your ministry potentially be able to help us navigate, navigate through that? So through the COVID um, pandemic, we have worked in the UAE on a few programs for track and trace, for example, to try to proactively understand the way that the uh, pandemic is going to spread, trying to understand as well proactively how many hospital beds we need, how many ventilators we need. Um, And through that, we planned properly. And thankfully, the UAE actually did quite well um, when it came to COVID. Um, We were uh, amongst the very first countries to open up, and we haven't closed down since. We've only had six weeks of lockdown, uh, as opposed to many other countries around the world. We've had our airports open, which allowed for visitors from around the world to come in. And numbers of deaths and numbers of hospitalizations have always been controlled quite well because of uh, you know, us leveraging AI specifically to simulate and to understand the, the spread of the disease better. We also see um, how countries and companies around the world used AI to help with the vaccine process, to create the vaccine. So this was the fastest vaccine production on record um, that we were able to see throughout human history. And hopefully, I'm optimistic that we are coming out of this pandemic. Now, to overcome future pandemics, we need to understand that we need to be proactive. We can't uh, continuously live in a world where we are reactive the same way that we were with COVID. So we need to work together and collaborate on creating ways for us to simulate what potential, um, and, and this is where AI can come in, what potential um, uh, pandemics can arise or viruses or, or bacterial infections, et cetera, can arrive. Uh, and think about how we can start from now creating some sort of therapeutic that will at least be effective to a certain degree against them. Because um, as Bill Gates said, this is not the final pandemic. I think uh, history has proven that there have been a few pandemics and there will be pandemics coming up. But we need to focus our efforts right now on being proactive rather than being reactive. Because every 100 years or so, one of these pandemics becomes widespread. We've seen that with the Spanish flu, we've seen that with COVID. And then the price that we pay is quite big, the price in human life, which is first and foremost. And the second is the price on economic activity and the economic price as well. The UAE recently changed its work week to be a Monday through Friday work week. How well re- received was that change? 
It's been, honestly, it's been fantastic because um, our work week now, uh, we have a two and a half day weekend, um, which uh, starts um, at noon on Friday. And there is a very good balance that you can strike when you have enough time to spend with your family, have a quite a long weekend, while at the same time being able to work with the rest of the world without having to be closed on uh, Saturdays, for example. Um, and uh, that today we're seeing the benefits and we're seeing the fruit of that decision. Um, we are going to get a lot more numbers to understand exactly how much it pushed the envelope forward uh, probably a year after that decision is, is made, just to compare month on month, year on year. But uh, so far it's been, it's been quite well received and people are very excited and very happy. Last question. You've said that the UAE wants to become the Switzerland of the Middle East. Tell me about that. So um, uh, recently, we have decided to try to have a kind of motto of positive neutrality with everyone. So we want to work on economic development with everyone. We want to be uh, quite politically neutral uh, with our neighbors and, and everyone around the world. And that is quite apparent with, if you look at um, the UAE's relationships between East and West, we have great relationships with China and great relationships with the US. Um, we have uh, great relationships with you know, many countries around the world and probably everyone today. Um, and we realized that focusing on economic development is something that everyone's excited about and everyone will, will subscribe to. So uh, our leadership in the UAE, uh, headed by His Highness Sheikh Khalifa bin Zayed al-Nahyan, as well as His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed, who's been a champion for positive neutrality um, throughout the years, uh, and His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid al-Maktoum as well, have decided to focus really on our economic development, try to work on co-investing with other countries, trying to work with, trying to end conflict. So we've seen that. Um, with some of the uh, files that have been pushed in the past, trying to bring at least certain opponents together to have a conversation or a dialogue, to try to push for peace. Um, look, it's never going to be perfect, but if you embrace it and if you advocate for it, hopefully the world that you're going to wake up to tomorrow is going to be a more positive world with a better future for our kids, your kids, and all kids around the world. Minister Al-Alama, thank you. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. I hope to have the opportunity to talk again with you because there's just so much that you're working on that's incredibly exciting to so many people. So thanks again for joining The Diplomat, for joining me on Newsweek. Thank you, Jason. It's been a pleasure. Hey, it's Jason Greenblatt on The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek. Well, His Excellency Omar al-Olama and I covered a lot of ground about artificial intelligence, remote work, the responsible use of artificial intelligence, and much more. I hope you found this interesting and informative. And if you did, please make sure to share it with your friends, family, and colleagues. You can listen to The Diplomat on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Do remember to scroll back and listen to any episodes you may have missed and make sure to share them. Thanks for listening. I'm Jason Greenblatt. This is The Diplomat. Brought to you by Newsweek.